0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Gig Stories podcast. Um, this is a first, well there's a couple of firsts in this episode. Uh, Alex and I go to a gig, the first gig that we've been to together since lockdown ended. And yeah, well we'll we'll talk about it in the intro and the outro. And the second first is that this is an intro to the intro. Um we recorded it on our phones and the uh, microphone that I had seemed to malfunction just at the right time so you can hear Alex absolutely fine but you can't really hear me so much and there's no way of me dragging up the volume on mine without making Alex sound like a giant and we all know that he's no giant. Anyway um, I thought we'd just keep the intro as it is because You really do get the feeling that we're at a gig because we're at a gig um and we're we're actually doing it during a sound check as well so that made the sound um just that little bit more tricky so yeah apologies for that but the outro you can hear pretty much fine because we recorded it in alex's car on the drive home but the intro you may not be able to hear me quite so much don't worry the intro isn't very long and the episode with the mighty james atkin from emf Is absolutely fine. It hasn't been beset by any recording difficulties. So if you can persevere through the intro, then fantastic. But if you want to skip the intro, then well, yeah, it's this is your podcast. Uh, You can do what the hell you want. Um, In the episode, we also talk about a gig that EMF are going to be doing. In the north of england and we thought well it was at that point embargoed we couldn't tell anyone about it but since we recorded it on last saturday um it's been announced so uh, emf will be playing with special guests on saturday the 20th of november and you better get your skates on because it is at the golden lion in todberden and the golden lion is a pub it's um, not a massive pub, but it's got a great tradition of live music there And yeah, this will be an absolute belter I would just get on it, really Get yourself a ticket But Anyway, here's the intro to episode 20 with James Atkin
1: Hello, hello and welcome to the Gig Stories podcast with Chris and I And boy, is this a different episode Or at least... An, a different intro and outro for chris and i you can probably hear lots of background noise and that's not just chris's attic is it no no there's a kerfuffle there's a bit of a kerfuffle <laughs> on yeah. uh, a kerfuffle and
0: you know what? that is we've brilliant had, we've had over 18 months of no kerfuffle
1: <laughs> i know we've had zero kerfuffle kerfuffleage yeah. yeah and and now we're in Halifax's the peace hall for some professional kerfuffle we're in, in kerfuffle <laughs> <laughs> live live kerfuffle headlined by none other than gig stories podcast past guest rick witter and his band shed seven that's his band, that's his band. That's his band. he owns it and everything wow. and so the exciting thing is chris and i are at a live gig together for the very first time uh, since before lockdown and since we started this podcast
0: oh, it's so nice and the sun's been shining it's kind of the about to go down but it's still very pleasant we've got a dj i
1: think he's called the brighton beach DJ. yes the Brighton beach djs yes we've played loads
0: of dog and soul and we've got a bit of uh, kingspin on in the background love it i right?
1: love it and we have already uh, witnessed skylights who opened the festival yep. who are honestly just what a, what a great opening, a great start to festival. Great sing-along, anthemic, triumphant, I think is, is is what I said when I tweeted it. And they were great, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely, knockout. And then we had
0: Mr. David Gage and the wedding present. And, yeah, I, I forget how much I love the wedding present. I love, I just love that fast jing, 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 jing,
1: jing, jing, jing. Me too. Love it. Have you lost your god life too much, Apple Pie? I just love him, and I, just, I was smiling as he walked out. I love the wedding presents. You're right; they're fantastic. And then next up, uh, the Pigeon Detectives, who I I know very little about. I know even less than Alex. You know even littler. Even littler. Yeah. Man, you know littler-er. Um But everyone is here and, and excited and just it's such a cliche but I think people are just pleased to be out and at live gigs yeah. and so we can't wait to uh, to watch Shed 7 and it's nice as well because Christopher is actually doing uh, his day job as well yeah I'm doing some
0: photographing, which is, which is great the light's lovely and, um, yeah. and also it's just lovely
1: to do our intro and outro with an audience because they're hanging on our every they are they are they literally they cannot get enough of us can they, they? look at them faces. i know all lined up in the bar and they've got uh, i i must say they've got lovely backs all of them
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> they couldn't get
1: two hoots <laughs> and um, now we we are winging this and i hope it works and i hope even if the sound is a bit bonkers and crazy but it's enough to put up with because we just wanted to get a bit of the atmosphere and and as we're doing that you get a bit of the pigeon detectives bass drum, drum. drum, tech. <laughs> oh, yeah, cheers, drum tech. but just having that just feeling that witnessing i sound staff but witnessing text tune up sound check get ready oh it just gives me that really excited oh, feeling yeah.
0: I love it, it's like
1: the orchestra tuning up. Or yeah, like that. Yes. Yeah, and we've spoken about that before. Yeah, that yeah. you know, that excitement that we'd have in, you know, St. David's Hall or wherever we were, and it's that tuning up and getting ready. And and that I'll be honest, if the pigeon detectives are as good as their snare drum sounds, <laughs> then, then they should be alright, yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. And and of course, from a music point of view. Uh, it's been announced in, uh, it, during the past week that Alan and Joe will be uh, leaving Shed Seven, so they've only got a couple of um, a, a couple of shows left together as uh, uh, with this lineup. So we're really lucky that we're we're here and seeing Shed Seven and um, uh, bring on, in fact, bring on everything. They are one of those bands that the set list from start to finish is. It's just banger after banger. That's what the kids say, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. It's just ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I've seen so many Shed 7 t-shirts. I mean, I'm standing
1: just behind a guy. It's getting better on the time. Um, oh, it's a lot of cliches there. I could link us into all kinds, but I won't. I'll ignore it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll move on to today's episode, which was an absolute, in in the words of Chris, was a hoot! Oh, it was
0: a real hoot! Oh, and this was... Um, I, yeah, I don't know how this came about, because our guest, you know, we, we don't know him, or we didn't know him before the pod. Um, I photographed his band um, for... It was, it was a gigantic festival, which is at Manchester Academy, I think it was 2018. Uh, oddly enough, wedding present were on that bill as well. Amazing. Um, But
1: it's none other than James Atkin, lead singer, frontman of EMF. E, ecstasy, M. No, 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 no. no. Oh, damn it. Damn it. What a band, man. And, you know, if I'm being honest, I think I'd forgotten about them for a while. And they, they really were incredible. And I remember some of those shows, live shows back in the day. They were raucous, man. They yeah. were absolutely brilliant. One of the one of the most fun nights you could have out.
0: Yeah, and, and when I did um, photograph from uh, Manchester Academy, they were knockout. They were brilliant. really solid, really tight. Um, yeah, and you know they just played all the hits. And, but when they when they came out in the roundabout, well, when it was Schubert, dead home. Uh, it was in '91. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Don't quote um, me, but I think so. Yeah,
0: I, I just remember that. I mean, we talked about it, the fact that there was so much hype around the album, um, but also they were they felt like they were a little bit dangerous.
1: Do so you know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely a bit edgy. Who was this? Who were these young upstarts?
0: Yeah. Yeah, but then when you hear James talk, he's such a sweetheart with this lovely accent, which is oh my is, gosh, is kind of Midlands, Birmingham, but with West
1: Country and he's up in Yorkshire. And... I'll be honest, I but but I well not by the end, five minutes in, I had a serious man crush. What <laughs> what a charming, charming man. Uh, that there's the song in there somewhere, and I am absolutely gonna go and party hard at his house I'm gonna find his farmhouse and we're having a big old party
2: yeah
1: yeah exactly now before we leave you to enjoy the episode there's just something that uh, a subject we wanted to broach and rather than ignore it we just wanted a we wanted to mention and acknowledge that yeah James from EMF is another wonderful guest and is another male guest on the Gig Stories podcast. So here's the thing uh, we wanted to acknowledge and let you know. We know that as it stands, the weight of male and female guests on Gig Stories, the males far outweigh the females. And there's a couple of things. we, Chris and I personally, we would like an even balance. And from the start of the podcast, That is exactly what we've been aiming to do. And because of circumstances, and timings, and availability, it looks like we just love males. (laughs) But I think it's important for us to acknowledge it so that you know, and in fact, again, by coincidence, we have a lot of female guests uh, and their episodes that are about to be released. So you will notice, all of a sudden, we'll have a run of four or five that are gonna be all female. So, it, honestly, it's not because we are lads, lads, lads. It is all about timing, availability, uh, and uh, and nothing more. So we, we just thought, do you know, let's tell our listeners exactly that.
0: No, absolutely, and honestly, the list of guests
1: that are, are coming up are fantastic. Oh, fantastic. Hello! Hello! Hello, pigeon detectives! There's a man trying to throw I am mean, I don't think he understands that we've booked the Peace Hall for an hour for the Gig Stories podcast. How dare he? <laughs> So yes, so stay with us, and we realise that if, if we, we bank a lot of guests, we pre-record uh, episodes so that we can carry on bringing you an episode fortnightly, and again let me just give huge shout out to Love and love to Chris for making sure that's happened through the summer as well. If, if we just kept waiting, then we wouldn't be able to do that. So yes we've had lots of males and you are going to see a, a, a long run of females And but we just wanted to let you know that that is the situation we are in and we appreciate you listening and all of your feedback anyway.
0: Yeah I don't have any more to add to
1: that. Oh look uh, at that.
0: So I am just going to say that yes Hello. He's just
1: going to say that the other guitarist is now is now tuning up for the Bitches section. he just
0: ran across to the other
1: side of the stage. He is multi-talented, that boy.
0: Yeah. That's I've always
1: wanted I've always wanted to be a, a guitar or a drum tech, but I don't play guitar. That
0: no, doesn't matter.
1: Or drums. It doesn't matter. Nor does he. Is that what you're saying? Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's should be me. Well, I think this is probably as good a time as any. To leave you to it and enjoy this episode
0: here's James Atkin yes yeah
1: Scotsman, a Welshman and an Englishman walk into a Zoom meeting for the Gig Stories podcast and today's Englishman is singer, songwriter, teacher, let's be honest, legend, it's Mr James Atkin. James, how are you lovely man?
2: Hi, yeah, I'm feeling good. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Oh, you're very welcome. You're
0: very welcome. How, how, how's it all going?
2: Yeah, I'm feeling better for that introduction. i kind of you know, I kind of just hold away in the middle of the Yorkshire Dales, living a very quiet, gentle life and forget about the real world sometimes. So it's lovely to see some real people. Yeah. Oh, We're kind of real. Trying to, keep, <laughs> yeah. trying to keep it real.
1: <laughs> I'd, I'd have taken the laptop out into Salford and, you know, introduced you to some people, showed you some traffic. You remember traffic?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I want to see people, I want to see lights, that's Morrison's said Needs me a selfie, isn't it? yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> are, you, are you literally in the middle of nowhere?
2: Yes, I mean, we have a neighbour about a oh, quarter of a mile, we've got a river and then there's a farm. Um, so yeah, we're pretty isolated. It's lovely because we get to make as much noise as we want, get occasional complaints. Not very often, though. The, you, the farmer has been over a couple of times. Because of the noise? Yeah. And he always...
0: Sorry, go on, Chris. No, I was going to say, is that because you've been taking it taking it outside? and Or is that because you've been um, playing in the house and it's just been eye-wateringly loud?
2: Well, we've just been hammering it in the house. I mean, when I, when I was younger, all I wanted to do was move to the countryside and have a big sound system. And now I've moved to the countryside. I've got a massive... PA, it's like a club festival PA in, in this kind of I'd love to say it's a nice outhouse, but it's not it's just a, a converted double garage. Um <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately I've got no one to party with anymore. So it's just me and my wife, and we, we get carried away and then we turn it up and up and up to the point where we're just shouting at each other because we can't hear each other. Like in um, a club. Yeah, like in a club, yeah. yeah. Um and then Occasionally, the farmer comes over.
1: Let's just go back. Let's, let's go back to the beginning. Tell, tell us about, I, I, I love hearing people's stories. Tell us about music and your childhood, or maybe you fell in love with music later on. Did you grow up in a musical household?
2: I did grow up in a musical household. I was born in Birmingham. My parents were both very musical. Um, my father was a banjo player. And oh, think, mine too. Yeah, no. Well, my first experience of live music was being dragged around the folk clubs in Birmingham, which you know was such a. They got such a rich history and culture. Folk clubs in Birmingham, and we they, they, they were kind of hanging out. There was a scene. I think they were called beatniks. Were they been beatniks in the fifties and sixties? Yeah, sixties. Yeah. And then in the seventies, like kind of. We used to go, we used to hang around with like um, the Campbells, which, you know, you'd be 40s, grandparents and things like that. They used to babysit me. So we, we were all part of that Birmingham folky scene. Um, so that was my first real experience of, you know, and my dad used to sing to me every night to sleep. And he was quite politicised himself and he used to just sing I, I'm not sure about rebel songs, but he usually sang like you know trade union songs and, <laughs> you know, <all> <laughs> like
0: were they were they kind of british songs or were they kind of your Pete, Pete Seeger songs or
2: um well he adored Pete Seeger obviously because of the banjo playing mm. um, but they were kind of they were I suppose they were socialists so it was all like the red flag and all this sort of stuff and that's amazing yeah that, I- that was the vibe.
1: I've said before on this podcast that my dad would do the same and either his banjo or his guitar and he would sing me to sleep. There was no sleeping going on with Lonnie Donegan songs. Fantastic. You know, the War Bash Cannonball and the wreck of the old 97 and stuff. And I, you had a similar upbringing.
2: Mm, and I think it kind of just got instilled in my mind and and I kind of just got obsessed with music. And then my my Nan, she gave me a load of 45s, and they were all like quite dodgy, some of it rock and roll, but you know, things like oh God, shadows records and stuff like this. And I used to just to listen to these records non-stop, playing them over and over again. And then this sounds a bit weird, but I used to kind of just imagine myself performing them or playing them and then if anything not my concentration i used to, have to start the record again and things like that so it obviously became a bit of an obsession a bit of a weirder really yeah.
1: <laughs> no that's not i think i think back in the days of old vinyl and radiograms i think there was the whole process was enchanting wasn't it and as a kid i found the whole thing what is this looking through looking at all the covers this is amazing Or well, i'll listen to this one Put it on pull the arm it was it was it was an experience i don't want to sound like that old man you know but um it was quite enchanting and i think i remember falling in love with music via playing vinyl on the big radiogram that we well, had. I, I
0: think i've got to the stage now where every time i go back to see my parents in scotland i'll just take a little look at their the record collection and just see if there's anything else that i can just nick because it's sitting in the garage <laughs> <laughs> it's not doing anything, so I've I've just been taking these. So I've got some lovely Bread albums and um, Bread. Um, Dark Side of the Moon and um, Bridge over Troubled Water and all these kind of stuff. And just kind of take the odd one, a couple of Beatles, because they never listen to them. It's like it's a waste. So I mean, saying that, I hardly ever get my records on the r- record player anyway. but <laughs> At least I know where they are.
1: You you were lucky. I mean, I say you were lucky. I was lucky as well. But my my parents are, I think, are a bit older than yours. And so I had the choice of Lonnie Donegan, Glenn Miller, and Dr. Hook. <laughs> wow, <I'm with> Dr. Hook. <laughs> when you're in love with a beautiful oh woman. I've told <laughs> you, Alex, I've told you. So, James, when you when you say your dad, so my dad was just a, uh, a home player. Uh, hmm. Your dad was actually out playing gigs then, was he?
2: Yeah, I mean, he wasn't very good. And he'll admit that himself. Um, <laughs> he was just, he's, he's, he's quite, I, he's not a great musician, but I he kind of, I find it a bit mind boggling that you can say, name a song, and he would just play it like that. Where now, I, I just can't do that. I'll have to get the chords and work it out and stuff like that. And he'll just go, oh, yeah, I'm it. And he'll just, you know, he probably only knows pre chords, but he seems to just mash <laughs> tunes out. And um, well, that's from yeah. being that's from being involved in
0: in folk sessions because people, if you're if you're in a folk session, you're expected to just know, and people will just shout out a number and everyone go right, okay, and G, whoop, and then you're, you're, you're in. <laughs> so you were kind of going around the the clubs of of Birmingham with you with your dad's. Um, when was the first time that you? went to a gig that was your choice and your choice alone you went right i'm going to go and see that band
2: um i'd moved from Birmingham. i'd moved to gloucester and then gloucester leisure center had some gigs and the first one i actually went to was susie and the banches
0: wow nice one
2: and this was like 86 or something um great first gig to go to that is brilliant and it was really kind of quite terrifying. I remember Susie, so she she stopped the gig halfway through because there was loads of skinheads fighting and she had a go at them and stuff like this. And it was proper hostile. Like, wow. Loved it. I was hooked. Do you mind me asking how old you would have been then? Uh, I was probably about 15, 16.
1: So were you, were you sort of the, the darker side of music in the 80s? Was the goth thing or oh, punky gosh, thing? I was
2: total, total goth. The One of the actual, the actual first gig I tried to go to was The Mission. um, Wow. Bristol, Bristol I think it's Bristol Studio. I can't remember what it was called back in the day. But um, I actually turned up, some older kids had taken me and I couldn't get in because I was too young. Uh, No way. Well, yeah, the the mission that was, was that Wayne? Wayne
0: Hussey. Wayne Hussey.
2: That's it. Of course. What an incredible looking, they were a duo, weren't they? Were they a duo? I don't know, because he'd, he'd come out of the Sisters of Mercy, hadn't he? And i had been all over that Sisters of Mercy. I was proper goth, you know. I used to spike my hair up and...
1: What, Robert Smith style?
2: Yeah, total Robert Smith style. To the point where, and this is a good story, I bunked off school one day and I went down to Woolworths to get some... rock. It was called Rock Hard Hairspray. just yeah and then you put your crimpers on afterwards and it used to just like that proper like yeah and then as I was coming back up I think it was the deputy head and the headmaster were driving around picking up all the the kids who were playing truant they picked me up in their car they took me back to school they got the the (laughs) the person from the science department I don't know why but then they sat me down looked in my eyes and says you're high you've been sniffing hairspray and I was like what and then so they kind of yeah. And I says, Well, look at my hair. I'm a god. <laughs> I, haven't <laughs> I, mean, been, I haven't been wasting it. Yeah, I know. They said we don't know that. And I actually got thrown out of school for that one.
1: Shut up.
2: Yes. So yeah. So Was that was, a bit
1: was that in Gloucester?
2: Yeah, it was in a place called the Forest of Dean, which was just yeah. another little place in the middle of nowhere, forgotten place, just outside Gloucester, 14 miles out of Gloucester.
1: Was that a bit of a, was it a bit of a posh school? Were you like a bit of a a rebel there or?
2: It was a rough, like secondary model. (laughs) Nothing posh about it. It was like, (laughs) it was a proper throwback from old fashioned secondary modern where the kids, nothing went on. And because I'd moved from Birmingham into like the second year, I had a strange voice. I wasn't settled and I never really got to grips with school after that. Not, I never got to go to school. Um, so yeah, so I got thrown out of school for that. Wow, the victim of goth, goth victim, goth, victim. <laughs> free
1: the goth free the goth one.
2: <laughs> <Isn't
1: it? laughs> so, do you? He, he's, here's a question Do you still happen to have the ticket stub from the Susie and the Banshees gig?
2: Uh, no.
1: Were you ever one of those people? We we say this every episode, but just in case listeners haven't heard them all, Chris and I are we're we're the we're the sad ones, and we've got our first gig tickets and and loads afterwards.
2: No, unfortunately not. I mean, I've got I used to collect all the laminates from the my own tours and things
1: here but... it here it comes this is what we find when we interview musicians yeah. a lot of you seem to have kept your your laminates and your lanyards yeah. what's yeah. the oldest one that you have do you think
2: um it's probably going to be from that first tour when we toured with a um when we we're in the back of a transit van playing staying in bed and breakfasts and just opening up little venues and stuff and was this what eighteen, nine, ninety? It would have been the, st- yeah, the start of, nine- yeah, late 89, start of 90. Yeah. How did EMF come about? And how did, now you've told me what you've just
1: told me, how did you go from Mr. Hairspray to EMF?
2: Well, I was, I was an indie kid in between. <laughs> <laughs> completely indie. I mean, I loved, I mean, I, I grew out of my golf days and then I got really into the, the Smiths and the Bunny Men and all Oh, that. the Bunny Men. And then I kind of got really into electronic music. I think New Order was the turning point, but it kind of all of a sudden, I just sort of, you know, I, I turned my back on Lloyd Cole and all the indie stuff and just completely dived into Balearic and Detroit techno and um, Chicago House and, you know, just become yes. really obsessed with dance music. Um, so that was the real thing. But that, that was kind of on the cusp of when EMF was starting to happen, because I remember Going to Ian, who was the guitarist in Gloucester, I used to travel up on the bus, and he was from an indie band, uh, a guitarist. And I was going, no, we need to be like this, and you know, and I play things like the Soul to Soul album. and say we've got, we've got to have dance grooves, you know, it's got to have the house piano, acid house synths. Um, so that was kind of the turning point. And around about that time,
0: I think there were a few bands that were kind of doing doing that same kind of mashup of of the emerging dance scene from Manchester but um and from London obviously but but with that indie um, sensibility as well so the lights of flowered up um was one that I was listening to earlier today you know your Jesus Jones and right about that time so did you feel like there was a a bit of a kind of movement around around that time where where you were kind of almost bridging the gap between the late 80s um uh, indie scene and this emerging house, house style. Uh,
2: yeah, it didn't feel like a scene at the time and it wasn't contrived and we didn't try to do that. It was kind of just I suppose just a mountain pot of what had come before, our, you know, our indie roots, and then just looking, and, you know, looking at house music, but also looking at American hip-hop music, um, you know, there was lots of really, it was an exciting time for music, I mean, there was kind of, you know, great genres of music going on, Um, but I think it was an accident, I'd certainly, I'd gone and our Derry, who was a keyboard player, he dragged us down to Exeter to go and see Jesus Jones, and this is when we kind of had the, you know, EMF was kind of in, at at an ideas point and seeing these bands but i was pretty naive i didn't really understand what was going on i kind of just just started making music and i guess it just comes out doesn't it do
1: you know what? i'm still uh, g- genuinely i'm still reeling from the fact that you just mentioned soul to soul because yeah. uh, now i saw i watched you guys loads our friend Zoe in Cardiff was obsessed uh, with you, and we all we all saw you lot. So I've listened to your music and seen you for years and years, and not once until just now have I put that together. And even if you pick something predictable like unbelievable, as you've just been talking there, no offense to you two, I've just been thinking the background and the background rhythm section samples and that soul to soul, it slightly is. speeded up that I I have never clicked on that influence and. Yeah. People are probably there going, all right, Alex, that's boring. That's just blown yeah. my mind. That's blown my mind. I can't believe I can hear now those influences that you you obviously have, especially with the yeah. Chicago house and all that. And I've just gone, yeah. of course. Why have I not clicked until now? So, <laughs> so actually, let me I would just want to jump a bit back and forth because I'm interested now. Susie was your first gig. Yeah. Can you just plot? live because this is you know we just love the live gigs can you just plot a small graph to emf for me for you personally in your gig going life so you know for me it was very easy i went from classical music as a kid to michael jackson to then the shaman and james and then radio through what live bands how did you quickly get to emf what were you actually going to see
2: that's quite a nice way of doing it isn't it so obviously it was Susie Sue, and then I went and saw the Bunny Man, and then I started getting quite into indie, and then uh, saw the House Martins, which was a bit of an eye opener. Oh, brilliant! Um, yeah, all of a sudden it was getting a bit indie schmindy. Um, got read. Oh, festivals! Festivals played a big part because we were in the West Country. You know, from '85 we were hitchhiking or getting a bus down to Glastonbury and walking into Glastonbury. Of course, so Glastonbury all the way for the '80s, and then. Uh, that, that summer I left school, I hitched like down to Reading Festival. Um, great in them days. You didn't even, I didn't even have a ticket. I don't know, no. I I know if I had any money for food or anything, but you kind of just on a wild adventure. So, yeah, and then, I mean... And then there was a few other gigs like the Jesus Jones gig Um,
1: at those festivals. Because just because I'm honestly I just am obsessed with this. Who were some of the headliners that you remember? Because I didn't, I wasn't old enough to get to festivals till. I mean, what was I, 18 in 95? So it wasn't until the mid-90s I was going to festivals, but I would love to have been going at the end of the 80s into the 90s. Who do you remember? Who were the standouts sort of headliner-wise? Well, it doesn't have to be headliner. Well, that's a bit predictable of me, but.
2: Um, Do you know what? I I cannot remember. I remember.
1: Because it blurs.
2: um, Yeah, I mean, certainly the Glastonbury's in the mid-80s were very that it wasn't like it was me today. And it no. was fast, like Hawkwind and Gong and lots of psychedelic, drug-fueled hippie mentalness.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
2: you know, that was kind of the vibe. Um yeah, I'd love to remember. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's it. Let's end it there. We've got the quote for the episode. I'd love <laughs> to remember. James Atkin.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is that is so. Just before we then get to EMF, just give me another one or two because you mentioned the, um, and this piqued my interest as well because it sounds like I had a similar journey to you, but just a few years later. You mentioned uh techno and the Chicago, um, house scene and stuff. Were you going to see DJs? Had DJs become a thing quite yet? Then Uh, your local,
2: not that I had discovered. No. I mean, okay. I moved down to London briefly in 88 and 89 and I remember dressing up, I put a smiley face bandana on and go into these clubs like the Mud Club and the Wag Club to find this techno music um, and it, I couldn't find it, it wasn't there, I was probably just going to the wrong places. <laughs> 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 where, where
1: is Ray? Where is he? Yeah.
2: <laughs> But it was only, I mean, it was only till like, you know, I don't want to jump forward to EMF, but it was after EMF come back from America that I got back to my local forest of Dean Village and there was roadblocks the, and raves going on and free parties and everyone was going, are you going there, there, especially we're in a field, we're doing this. And that's when it really hit me, but certainly um, it was more, I think... I kind of got given some cassettes of things like some Boleric Beats and Finny Tribe and Ebb, And that was kind of my introduction to dance music. Yeah. But yeah, so I wasn't really going out raving. Although we were making our own little raves in the Forest of Dean, but it was more <sighs> drink fueled rather than drug fueled.
1: I was gonna say, because I'm I'm sure that the Forest of Dean had quite quite a reputation, didn't it, for its own pop up
2: Raves and Parties. Raves. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it did. I mean, we used to I mean, when we left school, we just used to just head into the woods and, you know, dance around the fire and stuff like that. We made our kind of made our own entertainment because there wasn't much going on. Um, But the thing about the Forest of Dean, this I don't know if you know the forest, it's kind of got some small towns in it. It's all about live music scene and everybody was in a band or you would go and see a band every other night. And there was just so much live music. So, so what age were you when
0: um, EMF? Was that EMF your first band, or, or was there another another band um, before then?
2: Well, I played in bands when we were at school. Um, I'd played with different members of EMF at different times. Um, we'd always kind of been a little group, but playing in different bands, and I'd have a member here, member there. Um, we were gig in whilst we were still at school in the fifth year, the last year at school, and there was a little pub in one of the nearest towns, little villages that we played at, and they used to serve underage. How about that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. Because I I was going to ask, what were the early EMF gigs like? Oh,
2: they were wild. I mean, we had so much, I don't know if it was arrogance, or we just told everyone we were the greatest band in the world and we were going to do this. And before we even had any songs written, you know, we were just telling everyone how brilliant we were. And then we actually went and booked a gig at a local pub, told everyone, and then just thought, wow, we better do some rehearsal and write some songs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, and luckily we kind of, Ian, who I'm really friendly with Ian, He's Ian was the guitarist and he was a couple of years older. He's from Gloucester and he already played in a band called Up Mosaic and they'd had a, a little deal and he'd already gone on tour with Squeeze and things like this. So he was the mature musician and he came down to the forest of Dean just by chance and saw the rest of us. Just, I think we we're in our mom's living room, dressed up in fancy dress clothes, jumping up and down on the couch. And, you know, it's so clueless what doing that. And I think he saw something in us and uh, kind of knocked us into shape a little bit. So, but um, yeah, it happened really quick. When did you feel like you knew what you were doing? Ah. <laughs> <life? sighs> <sighs> I don't know I mean I was always a bit of a reluctant front man anyway I love music and I wanted to be a guitarist in the band and at the first rehearsal I think we had three guitarists or everyone was on a guitar so we had to divvy up the jobs a little bit so Zach went on to bass from guitar Derry went on to the keyboards Ian obviously stayed on the guitar because he could play it I was, like, <laughs> I was like okay I'll sing and I was and then I was kind of very reluctant and i didn't really think i knew what i was doing i don't think i ever have really i think i'm i kind of think i'm just a little bit of a chancer and i have moments when i think yeah i've got this but most of the time it's like really. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you still what well, i don't want to put words into your mouth imposter syndrome or just you just thought this perhaps this isn't quite oh, i just thought i was pretty
2: rubbish how oh, did you <laughs> Yeah, but it took me a while. I mean, it's taken me, I kind of get it now and I kind of look at the people I like in bands like, you know, your Bernard Sumner's or your Ian McCullochs and they're not great vocalists and it's the character, isn't it? And the, you know, the conviction. Um, but certainly at the time back then, I was thinking, God, I am just, a, you know, an imposter and, and I didn't understand that. Maybe the character was the thing that was the thing that was getting me through this, and people were digging. I just thought it was a pretty rubbish singer, really. I probably am, you know. Oh, shush. Go on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but EMF, I, I, I
0: remember hearing the first first couple of singles, and then there was this massive kind of desire for the for the album to come out. I remember there was there was a lot of expectation. Did you feel quite? I don't know. Were you shitting it, basically? <laughs> going oh my god
1: asking some questions yeah i know
0: sorry this is michael parkinson stuff here brilliant um but you know (laughs) you know were you were you feeling (laughs) that pressure
2: um, I wasn't Chris. I wasn't not feeling any pressure whatsoever because we were just on a ride, just on the ball, and not really knowing what was going on. We were pleased just to have a single out, then another single, and to be in a studio making an album. It didn't yeah. really matter if it was going to be successful or not. We never had, you know, any master plan or anything. So mm. yeah, I was. I wasn't shitting it. I, you know, <laughs> but but was
1: were you reading the press though? Because for us as music fans, yeah. You now I, I God's honest truth, before Chris said that. I was going to talk about the hype behind EMF mm. because it was very, very anyone that was around, it was very different to other bands. There mm. was a massive thing hype about this EMF. And yeah. and I think it was it was linked to you saying that you weren't a great singer. And I don't think anyone was talking about whether EMF were going to be a beautiful vocal band. It was a case <laughs> of these boys are something different and they, they bring yeah. this party vibe. So did you ignore the music press then? Because we were reading it and we were like, oh, my gosh, this album, we need this this band.
2: I mean, it's quite strange, really. I mean, we had a really good press agent and we were kind of perfect for, you know, everything, all the red tops, any bits of scandal, any bits of story, any bits of naughtiness. You know, they picked up on that. It's funny, though, because. When we first released the album, the first album, we were getting lots of teeny bot press because I don't know whether it's because we're pretty boys, but you know, it was front covers of Smash Hits and things like this, which, well, that's I what know. I was reading. That's yeah. what I was
0: I wasn't reading NME at the age of
2: yeah, 15.
0: Yeah. I was that's reading cool. Smash Hits and yeah, and maybe Select was Select around at that point, or was yeah, it
2: Select was around? There's a few magazines like that. So it wasn't the cool press anyway. Um I mean, I was just, you know, we were just buzzing, getting, you know, front covers of Smash Hits and things like that. And then, you know, being in the mirror every week for, you know, smashing up hotel rooms and stuff like that. So it was just great. I mean, I never really worried. It's funny that you said that about the music, though, because I don't think anyone really commented on the music that much. So, um. yeah, but the, but that album
1: was and genuinely is a great album, though. And it can be in hindsight, maybe people w- will just, will, will mention unbelievable but actually when you when you listen now you you were more than you were more than that single because it did go stellar i mean how and am i right in thinking as well that it was even bigger in america than it was here that
2: single yeah i mean it went to the top of the billboard charts in america it was number one in america It, it was massive wasn't it yeah it really was um, but thanks for saying that I mean I'm proud of the album there is some cracking songs on there and it's got a lot of depth it was definitely you know a lot of albums of that time of bands of Our Ilk it's kind of just one thing and we did have a bit of you know a bit of texture going on and stuff and yeah thanks <laughs>
1: When did you see your live gigs change? There must have been perhaps a point were like, oh, wow, this is this is crazy.
2: Yeah, I think we learned our craft on the road. So certainly that first three or four months doing the Adamski tour, then doing our own little club tour and then thing, that's when the band got really good. And there was such an energy in the band that we, we were so clicked and just could really really you know touring is the greatest thing for a band to develop um but yeah i guess going to america was pretty wild that's unbelievable it hit the top spot um you know going from playing to a couple a couple of hundred people to playing you know big indoor arenas and things like that that was pretty special um Yeah. When you when when you were
0: touring, I I I love this question. Well, I, I certainly love the answers that we sometimes get. Is so um, often when you're when you're touring, you um, you get paired up with odd support bands, ones which you wouldn't normally go. well they, They're <laughs> nothing like us. What are you doing? Um, I'm just wondering if you had that, or, or you know, touring Europe or or whatever. Were you paired with with bands where you thought what what? Hey? <laughs>
2: Not that I remember. I mean, I've had some crazy support acts. We had, um, we had the Wurzels once. <laughs> Wurzels what?
0: That's What? I'm, that's what I'm talking
2: about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Wurzels, although we, we did invite them ourselves, and it's quite funny. Oh. Yeah, kind of- <laughs> I tell you what, there was
1: this
2: one time we had this crazy support.
1: <laughs> we invited them.
2: Yeah. Have we said... And we said, how do you want to get paid? And they wanted, honestly, they said, oh, just um, bong us 500 quid and just give us loads of cider. And he was like, okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I kind of knew you were going to say that. I don't know why. (laughs) Pay
1: us in cider. That is brilliant.
2: Can can I ask if you,
1: um, because I like that you, you learned... You learnt it on the road. You said, you know, practising live. Were you also a hard-working band behind the scenes? Did you rehearse a lot away from those live gigs?
2: Um, No. I mean, what we did, we just wrote, well... We were, I think we were pretty rehearsed, but I think you only have to get a few gigs under your belt and actually rehearsal really, isn't it? So we are not one of those bands that will go into a rehearsal room and just rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. Um, I was talking to Miles the other day, Miles Hunt from The Wonder Stuff, and The Wonder Stuff, they used to rehearse so much to the point where they they don't think about what they're playing anymore and stuff like that, which is that's kind of the way he likes to do it. But um, no, we um, but it's the same. It's the same with belly rhythmase because, you know, I do some live gigs with belly rhythmase and we haven't rehearsed for about 20 years now. <laughs> we just get booked a gig
0: and we just go and do it. So, yeah. I mean, do you find that, do you find that that's just a kind of muscle memory thing? You're just like, yeah, well, just there.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, if I've got an EMF gig, I, I kind of sometimes I will. Just go over it a couple of times, just the lyrics and stuff. But total muscle memory—I'm not going to forget the words to any of those EMF songs.
0: And is that because you you feel like you're um, wanting to keep it keep it fresh, you know? Because um, you can't. I, I know you can over rehearse. You can really become stale with it. Um, so is that because you you kind of just want to want to keep it as fresh as possible?
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, also being the singer, I don't think it matters too much. I think the singers just you've got to just have the vibe, haven't you? But you know, if the drum and bass player are out of time because they're under rehearsed, that might be a problem then. But yeah.
0: But that's their <laughs> so problem. You,
2: you can get away with anything when you're a singer. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm gonna sing out of tune or anything. Well, I might do, but you know, so. hey,
1: I've seen I've seen a lot of seen a lot of acts sing out of tune.
2: Okay. Well, like Ian Brown. Has Ian Brown ever sung in tune? Do
1: you know what? Bizarrely, I think he might have sung in tune
2: at the <laughs> You know. say Spike Island now, isn't <laughs> it? Yeah, could, could have been 1989 or something.
1: I think he sang in tune at the Etihad Stadium, Man City Stadium. No, he didn't. Saw him. No. no,
2: he didn't, Chris. Though. No, he didn't. No,
1: he didn't. <laughs> he definitely sounded more in tune
0: than he did back in the day. Chuck D sounded more in tune back than Ian Brown. The- Back like in Newport Centre days, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> yeah. Public Enemy were more in tune
1: than Ian yeah, Brown. because they were, they were. <laughs> flipping love those boys. <laughs> um, did you, you, you your live gigs? Because they they weren't known for being a bit uh, a bit crazy. You know, I mean, I was there. Is there anything that comes to mind? Did you have sort of any funny, strange? interactions or any moments like that with with the fans?
2: Uh, There was a few crazy gigs. I remember Jim Bob invited us to go and support Carter at Yulu as surprise guests. Although, yeah, although, unbeknownst to me, Jim Bob, for days before on the tour, weeks before on the tour, on his own tour, had egged all his fans' On to give us a really hard time. So <gasps> I walked on stage at Yulu and honestly, I got hit by about 200 plastic glasses. Just throw it just like that. It was just, it was like mayhem. I like, was just like, what? Is what a, to a to cheeky be? bastard. And, uh, <laughs> you know what? I had it out with him the other day and he reckons, he reckons that's not the story, but um. But he, and he was really apologetic, but he says he wasn't that, and I, I kind of believe him. We're friends, so. Um, well you believe yeah, him that,
0: that they were just trying to glass you, just yeah. Just, so he's saying nothing to do with me. It was all you, basically. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's even was- cheekier. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah, that is actually, I never thought about that one. Um, but no, it got really hairy. I mean, to the point where people were trying to get on stage and attack us and hit us. And I, I had my mic stand, and I'm not proud of this, but I was kind of beating people off with the mic stand and, you know, people coming up on stage and shoving them out. And it was like, it was like, we had this old road there called Slouch. And he'd work with the Sex Pistols and the Clash and all that. And he goes, afterwards in the dressing room, he had a little tear in his eye. He goes, I haven't seen anything like that since the, the Sex Pistols at the Undred Club or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just, you said that with the mic stand. I was like... That just sounds like early birthday party gigs with uh, Nick Cave. You know he's known for he just smash people in the face, and yeah, like yeah. people were yeah. paying for that. James, you missed a trick there. I'm just
0: imagining Jim Bob at the side of the stage, kind of rubbing his hands together, <laughs> like some kind of like some kind of evil mu- musical puppet master. Like, I've created this.
1: Moving up to second place. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. I love that. Did you did you used to? Um, recognize the the barrier crew did you have a lot of fans um at emf that were you know you were like oh there's them again there's them again
2: yeah we had a few loyal people who followed us around and they were always in the mosh pit all the way through every night yeah there was a few legendary people that kind of you'd see them at you know a poppy's gig or a carter gig and stuff like that There was people you know into that that scene um Yeah, yeah, there was.
1: Is there a gig that stands out where you were just, you you looked out on the crowd, and it could be a a festival or Mm. wherever, you just looked out on the crowd and you just were like, this is the dog's bollocks. This is absolutely.
2: Uh, Yeah, I guess, I mean, when we played Red in 92, that was a pivotal point because I mean, only a few years before, I'd left school and I'd hitched down there without a ticket. And I, you know, I had to get in, climb over the fence, and you know, like, all <laughs> of this festival. And then to go back there, you know, four years later, and you know, be third on the bill on a Saturday night and look out, and it was just, you know, thousands of people. That was kind of like, whew, that was a that was a really big moment. Mm. I love that. I was on a high after that one.
0: What was that? Ninety two? Did you see?
2: Yeah.
1: Who, can you remember who else was on that bill?
2: Well, no, funnily enough, the farm the farm were on before us and they got pelted by loads of plastic bottles. Nothing to do with me. No, that was probably Jim Bob again. <laughs> Jim probably Bob. Jim Bob. Right? That okay. Jim Bob, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, okay, people, you, that worked well with the MF. It's the farm um, next, they're
2: getting it. I think the, the Nirvana were on the bill because that was the one where he was in his wheelchair. Do you remember when he performed in the wheelchair? Yeah, um, of course, yes. That was before they headlined, wasn't it? I think there was kind of the wonder stuff and ride seems to pop into my head for some reason. Okay. Yeah, it was great. It was great. I loved
1: it. That kind of thing with, with those nerves, were you good with nerves? Did you used to ride on nerves? Give Did you um, give Well, about I, found,
2: I found out pretty early that I could drink my way through the nerves. Um, Did you? Yeah, so I was kind of... <sighs> Yeah, it got to the point where because I was quite uncomfortable, not very confident on stage, so the alcohol did help. When you're kind of younger, you can kind of get away with stuff like that and still remember what's going on. Where gigs now, if I get if I get drunk at a gig now, I just can't remember. I can't even remember.
0: Shall we? Shall we um, career head first into the quickfire rounds? Yes.
1: Bum 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 bum. bum. Okay.
0: <laughs>
2: Fire round. I don't know what this is, Chris.
1: <laughs>
0: no,
2: nah, It's okay.
1: I know what this
0: is. No, it's really, it's really easy. Um, okay. You just have to bring facts from inside your head um, out through your mouth. Um. <laughs> Not easy. Your favorite live band? Um, Beastie Boys. Beastie Boys, good choice.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm, I might even get in the car tonight and drive up to you. <laughs> oh, I, I, I still, I still watch. Now I saw them a few times live, but I watch on. It's on YouTube, and they feel you know they're in the round tour.
2: Yeah, yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, yeah.
1: They, um, there's a HD version on YouTube from the Glasgow. Gig, oh yeah, yeah. And oh, it's it's, just thinking about it. Here's on my next stand up because you got Mixmaster Mike doing his five minutes, and then he just goes straight into ban and bam, bam, bam and bam, bam, and they're still not on stage. Bam, and bam, 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 and then they just appear out of the crowd onto that stage. Well, it's 50 cups of coffee, and you know this. And I'm like, Yes, I love you. They are just, they were just like, Yeah, they were incredible. Like, did you ever see them, Chris?
0: Yeah, I saw them at Tea in the Park a couple of times.
1: Oh, I and, bet they um, tore it up at tea in the park. Oh, eh?
0: incredible. They were kind of mid-afternoon set as well, so they weren't headlining. God. They obviously wanted to kind of get on, you know, get on, get off, and then he- head off back to the States or something. But, yeah, it was kind of roundabout intergalactic and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, they were...
1: That is a belter, uh, James. Yeah, yes. it's
0: like 95, something like that. Correct
1: answer. Yeah, correct. Answer that one correct.
0: Correct.
1: 100... Take that one off. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> what um what what was you what would you say was your your, your best gig where, where was You, i was gonna say peak but i suggest that it went downhill after that peak but when did you think yeah i can do this
2: um i don't think i ever felt like that alex but did you not you a few, a few moments i mean some of the the ones that stick in your mind are the exotic ones i guess like you know playing in brazil i think we played that it was called Rock in Rio, and it was like... You played Rock in Rio? Yeah. That's and like that was massive, wasn't it? It friend? was like the biggest biggest gig I've ever seen in my life. It was like, I don't know how many hundreds, of, hundreds of thousands. And then I remember I was on stage, and Bob Geldof was staring at me all the way through from the side of the stage. What? <laughs> a bit weird. <laughs> no, you, you are not wrong
1: there. I think Rock in Rio is like 120, 130,000 people. Mental. It was, it was bizarre. Yeah, do you remember who was on the? Who else was on the lineup?
2: Well, Bob Geldof was on there because he kept looking at me strange. And then when I because <laughs> when I come off, he sent a message back to the dressing room going, "Oh, he really liked my shorts, and where can he get a pair of my, you know, my orange and arctic shorts?"
1: Brilliant. So there
2: you go. Bob. So, <laughs> um, I can't remember who else was on the bill. Um, a really. Good. Another gig that I really, really felt really good about was Estonia, After which was quite unusual because we took an Aeroflot plane over to, you know, a newly departed from the USSR country. Yeah. And that was a huge one again. And it was great because all the punters and the kids and the people, they all had homemade EMF T-shirts, homemade EMF banners. Oh, yes. And you've never seen a crowd so appreciative of you know you giving them what they want and i still meet people to this day like because apparently it was broadcast on russian tv and there was a whole generation of russians who this footage of emf at estonia was their kind of benchmark for them to go off and make loads of music and stuff so that was estonians all saying e -E 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 -E
1: -E 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 ecstasy m
2: <laughs> and Noel Gallagher was at that gig actually. I remember him in the dressing room. Cuz Clint Clint the, the the spirals were out there, spiral carpets. Right, okay. He was knocking around. So, yeah, I remember that. Funny, it's lovely talking about it. It's all pop- it's funny. It's funny it pops into your head and you just speak it. Thank you, Chris. That's all right. <laughs> I, I told you, it, you have to just draw it from well,
0: your head and it comes out of your mouth.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, I love it this is. stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, what was your worst ever gig As a performer
2: Oh I played the Paradisa in um, Amsterdam And I got stoned and I don't really smoke Spliff I never, I never have and I never did And then I was so paranoid
1: Oh no To the,
2: to the point where this it was, it I was crushed inside and I couldn't I just stood there and I was just opening my mouth I wasn't particularly really stoned I was just that much a little bit paranoid when you're on stage you do not want to be paranoid when those people are looking at you do you are they all looking at me? are you all looking at me why are you looking, you looking at me, me. <laughs> <laughs> we've
1: we've we paid to come and look at you well yeah, why are you yeah, looking yeah. at me <laughs> yeah
0: are I'll, you kind I'll, of I'll, looking I'll, behind your
2: shoulder going <laughs> what what I, I learned my lesson there
1: what you, i mean that that sound because I, I wanted to ask what's your strangest gig but I don't know if you've answered that already. I'm not sure.
2: We've done some. I mean, when we were in America, we had to do a lot of these radio shows. Cause what you do in America is you go, you turn up at a a town or a you know a city, and then you have to do a sign in in the the in the record store, and then you have to go and do something for the radio, and then it's the gig in the evening. So a few of these, we did a few performances for these radio shows, and we were down in um Louisiana. And
1: oh got, bloody hell
2: got really sketchy where for some reason they they wanted us to mime so and we were just like oh god we don't bloody mime and we had no instruments Done
1: top of the pops
2: (laughs) yeah well yeah but we've given And they'd hired some instruments. So we thought these instruments were hired for us. So we got on stage. We weren't big fans of miming. As soon as we started jumping around, the CD started jumping. So we kind of just were pissing about. We ended up giving all the instruments away to the the audience. And then didn't really know. But then when we got backstage, the instruments belonged to the promoter. And the promoter's brother was the local sheriff. (laughs) and then, oh. and then a fight broke out because of this. C- 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 what was going on? Someone got hit, and then all of a sudden we were in the car park, hands on head, sheriffs with their guns pulled, like this. And um, and we had to do, we had to do that thing, you know, when you had to kind of pay off the police. So counting it out in the back of the police car. Shut we, up. And then we got in the vehicle, and then we drove out of state. Honestly, that was kind of, that was a bit yes. of a scary one. Wow. <laughs>
1: yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a chapter all on its own in your autobiography.
2: Well, yeah. And I remember there was a rap band on Digital Underground. Remember Digital Underground? Yeah, I
1: do. Yeah. They
2: were quite hardcore rap geezers. and yeah, they were. They were. Us, they were looking at us and go, you guys are fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know some simple west country bumpkins (laughs) (laughs) hello my lovers who do you want on
1: this keyboard then (laughs) yeah
0: Mm. um next question um what's your favorite venue to play or your favorite festival but yeah let's go let's go for favorite venue or festival
2: um favorite venue or festival um venue i I love Brixton Academy. Not that I've sold that out or played there for quite a while, but Brixton Academy is awesome. So good. I used to like um I, feel, I like the Shine Festival. I know it's kind of a it's kind of a new thing but it's kind of got a it's got a nice vibe and everyone's really happy and it, it's quite relaxed, you know. Um, and then I guess the Hundred Club's pretty special because it's uh, small and sweaty and intimate. I've still never been. Have you ever been, Chris?
0: No. No, not I. Really. I've been to been to Shine, I think. Mm. Not I've not been to the um the hol- holiday camp one. Oh, I'm getting mixed up. I'm getting it mixed up with star shaped and gigantic.
2: Oh yeah, you did gigantic because you took the pictures, didn't you, Chris? I yeah. Yeah, I did. yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Was it is that the Manchester one is it the gigantic?
0: Yeah, that was um the Academy. That's right, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was a good good lineup that wedding present and um I think uh Wonder Staff and who else was on? Pop will eat itself.
1: Thousand Yards Stare? Wowzers. Pop will eat itself, Clint Mansell. Whatever happened to him, eh? So <laughs> 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 moving on. Um... <laughs>
2: no. no. But the funny thing is though every time when we were touring with Clint Clint used to everyone used to just shout at Clint go to bed Clint he was really like outrageous drunk sort of you know uh, and who would have thought you know going on to now he's you know in a jacuzzi in the Hollywood Hills
1: that is hilarious I mean he, he more than I think more than anyone that, that what a what, what a career projection that was bonkers wasn't it
2: great good for him. and
1: let's just give a shout out to Properly itself live <laughs> what a night they were
2: yeah they told, they taught me a lot
1: did they and and on record and on record they were just it's yeah. brilliant yeah. okay so you're playing you're playing live and it could be with the band or 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 you solo mm. you have to cover one song you have to choose a song that you just love to perform live what's it going to be
2: is it one that I've already done before or just anything I can choose?
1: Uh, you can choose anything whatever you like. I, I love I love it when an artist plays a cover because yeah. there's often something behind it and you often get a different interpretation
2: or um, well I do quite a lot of covers because me and my wife we get in the studio on a Friday evening and we have a few drinks and we usually do a cover so we've been doing lots recently. so what,
1: like, what time do I need to be there on Friday? That's seven or eight Uh, kids in bed. (laughs) You just come in and die.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh god! All right, I'd like to. I'm thinking of a song by the Specials or something. Let's have a think. A good special song. Um, Really, Rudy? Yeah.
1: Yes, a belter.
2: Or the live version of Too Much Too Young. You know the speeded up version. That yeah, yeah. Love that. Oh, great! I didn't.
1: I'm not sure I would have guessed that if I'd have had all night
2: the mm. specials
1: good shout yeah. I like but that.
0: the the um the tonight matthew yeah uh, that's i was listening to some of them today some absolute belters in there absolute crackers um yeah, thanks, it's guys. lovely it's just a, a lovely lovely vibe and just yeah um I'm, yeah I'm, I'm, i've just been binging
2: binging today it was such a nice thing to do. I think because we're kind of going into that pandemic, weren't we? And no one, re- everyone was unsure what was going on. All gigs have been canceled. Everybody's diary was free. I just rang up and people couldn't really say no, especially the yeah. we help musicians. Um, and it was such a nice way, you know, that became our I mean, because I did it with Richard from Public Itself, That became our, our social night, putting that together. Yeah. Remotely. Um, and, and, being in touch with friends like, you know, Mary and, you know, Fuzz and everybody else who was on the records and stuff. So it was a lovely thing to do. And it, it you know, I'm glad people said yes.
0: And really quirky ones, the Buffalo Springfield, um, yeah. um, for what it's worth. That, that's, it, it was just a lovely, I'd I love, I, I forget what the name of the singer, what, who, who was singing on that version with you?
2: Oh, it was Hannah Hannah something because like she went on to do the um, voice didn't she she came she was in the semifinals of the voice or the finals of the voice did you know that yes 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 I think she's Hannah Williams final- Hannah Williams that's
0: Hannah it. Williams yeah, and she just had made some really interesting choices when she was doing the, the melody because she wasn't sticking, you know, really strictly to the melody. I thought it was really interesting.
2: Well, it was um, the the version we did was quite an unusual version because when I when I suggested it to Richard, oh, let's do this, I wanted to do the Buffalo Spring. And he says, oh, have you heard this version? And it's quite an unusual version because it keeps going up a tone every verse. Like that yeah. so it's kind of. so thankfully we had someone like Hannah who could deal with that and you know rather than you know some dodgy 90s indie singers doing it um, <laughs> but yeah she she was great and she nailed it um yeah. everybody was great yeah Toya was a little bit hard work but everything else everyone else was fine <laughs> oh bless her she is <laughs> yeah. she
1: is she's Toya do you know what I've got a question that I've not not asked before and it's it's away from the uh, quick fire rounds and this is this is live i want to know who who are you going to see when you want to just go for a good dance who are you going to see when you want to rock out mm-hmm. and who are you going to see if you just want you just want some kind of like fairly chilled out vibe so three different three different acts live. So start you want to go for an all-out dance party. Who are you see in
2: live? Oh, probably it it's always it always goes back to the chemical brothers. <laughs> chemical brothers visuals and live shows are incredible at the moment. They're kind of next level stuff, man. That's like it's, it's mind. They've up yeah. the past two albums. That last two years That's ago. Love. It's like it's
1: it's, it's ridiculous two years ago when they headlined the other stage at Glastonbury I had my kids with me and my little one was seven and we actually were on the barrier and she was I thought this is gonna be scary for her oh man she just blew her mind
2: it's funny because Rachel my wife took our youngest and he was 12 and he just absolutely loved it you know it's just like wow
1: we came out because the crowd got a bit leery I'll be honest And we sort of came out to the edges and I've got this lovely video and it was it, it was for Hey Boy, Hey Girl actually. And we're on the edge of the crowd and me and my wife have stood behind our three kids and we're just filming them and it's as it drops boom, boom, and it, all three of them just start jumping. Boom, boom. <laughs> you can you see then the Kems and uh, Tom and Ed, because they were back together, weren't they? Because he um, Ed, wasn't it? a sort of quit for a while doing live stuff and it was just oh yeah it's just incredible that they are I've never seen them do a bad gig
2: amazing um live rocking band something really like probably fat white family oh Mm -hmm. yeah really intense that isn't it
0: do they am I mixing them I've photographed them because they did the NME tour a few few years ago about three or four years ago and um do they not have an offshoot where they do Charles Manson covers? <laughs> Don't know, Chris. <laughs> I think I think they've got an offshoot where they just do songs that have been written by Charles Manson. <laughs> we can look into it.
2: Yeah, look into that.
0: Yeah. Stick with us kids, we'll we'll get you all the the, the scoops
1: <laughs> on this podcast. That's I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have guessed that answer either from you. But that is a yeah, that's a great I'm shout.
2: Really, I mean my wife kind of turns me on to new, when I say new stuff, because I, I can't, I'm so stuck in, you know, since, you know, has there been any new music since the Smith's queen is dead and new order technique. I kind of always go back, but yeah, <laughs> I know my wife kind of plays me new stuff and she got us tickets to go and see Fontaine's DC. That, yes. That's, that's going to be good. We're looking forward to that one.
1: Where are you going for that?
2: Um, not sure. Actually, it might be Manchester. Maybe I'll, I'll give you a shout do it definitely definitely i'll tell you who i've been i'd like to go and see again is um do you know working men's club have you come across them working yes because they're, they're kind of almost local they're in hepton bridge but um they were great live that singer had something going on man it was brilliant
1: yeah really good really good and then the last one oh yeah i like this one you want more of a chilled out vibe who are you going to go and see Now, I'll I'll be interested to see how you interpret chilled-out vibe as well. (laughs) Because, you know, you could say, oh, I'm going to go and see some jazz. Or it could be, I don't know, LTJ Bookham DJing or something. That's quite
2: chilled, isn't it? Drum and bass is quite chilled, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Oh, I don't know. Probably... I mean, I am a sucker. If we go right back to the start of the conversation, I think, Chris, you mentioned Simon and Garfunkel, Bridge Over Troubled Waters and that. That was the kind of music I grew up to, dr- dr- drifting up the stairs, and I was still quite attached to that and love Neil Young and, okay. my mates, and it was a bit chilled. And so probably a classic artist like that, I think. I think probably, I don't know, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan's, birthday. Like, bob Dylan's i was in? just gonna say
1: but yeah. not bob dylan <laughs> there we go chris there we go
2: we right. say it again
1: james every uh, almost every episode bob dylan comes up but he comes up under the title worst gig you've ever seen
2: oh really okay well maybe i
0: shouldn't maybe I'll... he does so many bad ones i love bob dylan i love him i love him but uh yeah let's not pile on the the, the grief for the old fella um on his birthday come on that's
2: birthday. like happy birthday, happy birthday yeah. bob happy
1: birthday bob i like that you've gone for a, a, a classic yeah a classic old folk artist or or
2: yeah i mean i'd still love Crosby, stills and nash and things like that you know and
1: great shouts.
2: here's one for you so right. who do you wish you had seen
0: live you maybe had the chance and chose not to and then it was too late who, who did you did you miss your chance with with some band or some artist?
2: Um, I guess I mean I would have loved to have seen the Jam. Would have loved to have seen the Clash. I I kind of get kind of quite obsessed by the musicians who sort of these shamanic musicians who lose themselves in the music. If you look at like Bob Marley, you know he's kind of so overtaken by the music, and people like Jimi Hendrix and stuff like that, where it's kind of just. It's their soul. We're kind of watching their soul, aren't we? You know what I mean. So, yeah, yeah probably Bob Marley.
1: I think the closest I you, I see to that now, and this might be controversial, is Tim Booth from James.
2: Yes, isn't that strange?
1: Yes,
0: yeah, good old Tim. He does get he does get lost in it, and um, I would argue that the, the the tunes don't really go on for long enough for him to get absolutely lost but when he when he does his tim dancing you know the ah we used to practice it when you know 90 (laughs) around about 92 (laughs) just after seven came out and we used to practice our tim dancing from the videos (laughs) Um, excellent yeah loved it and
1: is there someone that you really want to see that you could do that you haven't yet that you haven't ticked off
2: um no, I think, not that I can think of, I think I've seen it all, I've been there, I just want a quiet life now I just want to, just want to see my little, my, you know, my Yorkshire house and just Do you, you not know. want to come and see AC/DC with me, James? I fucking do, <laughs> I, love, I love ACDC
1: That's my answer, I've still not seen them
2: Oh, right. I did see him once in Canada. It was brilliant, and when they had like the cannons going off and like you know the the legs come out for and it was oh, brilliant. But yeah, Malcolm's not there anymore. though, so it's kind of a we've missed the boat a little bit, haven't we?
1: I know, yeah, I yeah. know. And but I hear Brian might be rejoining and doing more live gigs.
2: Oh, I didn't know he'd left. <laughs> had he left at? He
1: he left at the end of the tour. And Axel Rose. Oh my uh, god did some oh, wow. gigs tell me about
2: this i know nothing about this
1: I, oh my gosh where have you been in the middle of yeah in the middle of yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he has um he, i'll just say hearing problems cuz i can't remember what it was but mm. the doctors had said you've got to stop at the right. moment while we see to this um but they were sort of mid... they were either mid tour or they'd already announced the tour and axel rose replaced him and, and was this uh, like about 2018 something like that oh yeah yeah yes. Yeah, the past few years yeah absolutely yeah. Um, and he, he did a job Axel but he sang it in his own voice you, you know you don't want to yeah. hear ACDC yeah. like that but I have heard that he's he's, he's going to come back and maybe do a few more gigs so I'll get the tickets James I'll pick you up Let's we'll do be Um
0: so I think you might have even answered this question but who do you recommend we go and see live who should we go and see live when we're allowed to again
1: yeah, Chris and I are trying to get a list together of artists we're going to go and see.
2: Um, probably Working Men's Club. Yes. That's probably the one, hasn't it, I think. Um, and, yeah, that's going to be, I don't, like I say, I don't, I don't I don't really follow that much new music for my sins. I really should. But uh, who's going to reform? Is it going to be some fans reforming, do you think?
0: I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I've, I always say that um, I want the Sundays to reform. Mm, that'd be um, good.
1: That's a random one.
0: Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> Sorry, it just kind of popped into my head. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm liking that.
1: I'm like, you want them to reform? I'm done with that. Uh, dare I ask that question
2: of you, James? What, are we going to reform? Yeah. Do you know what? I've actually got a gig booked at the 100 Club on the, no, the 11th of December. As the MF. Yaz EMF and one that's probably more suited for you I've just got I'm going to do a warm up as EMF full band little warm up at a venue in the north
1: Oh!
2: shall I tell you you what it is you can have the world exclusive because it hasn't even been announced yet
0: I tell you what tell us just now and then I'll bleep it out please do that'd be really good yeah okay and then and then when this goes out we'll go go all
2: right so on the on the 20th of November, we are doing a gig at the Golden Lion in Todmerton.
0: No way!
2: Yeah, man. In Toddy? In Tod? That is a belter. So why why don't you guys? Where are you, Chris? Are you actually in Scotland, Chris? Are you? Um... No, no, I'm
1: in
0: Presswich. I'm in I'm in North Manchester. I'm about 15 minutes down the road from Alex. Well,
2: why don't you two both come up? And I'll sort out the guest list and we'll have a party.
1: Oh my gosh, that would be incredible.
0: Alex, can we get the train? I don't want any of this designated driver
1: Yeah, No, 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 I can't drive to that.
2: No. Get a a hotel room. Or a hotel room. A room.
1: (laughs) 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 We could get bunk beds.
0: We could get bunk beds, Alex.
1: Listener, we're back. And um, Chris and I are planning our night away to go and (laughs) see that. When this goes out in in a few weeks' time, if we're allowed to tell you, then maybe we won't have bleeped that last bit. And if we have, tough. You'll have to watch this space. But let me tell you, it's going to be absolutely – that's going to be – I'm so excited. Get in. So excited. That's going to be absolutely brilliant. come to the end james we've been into you for far too long you've got you know things to do you've got pas to set up in fields outside farmers houses haven't you
0: so on we have a page for every for every guest and um, we have a, a an episode page on our website and we put loads of videos and tracks and um, we put a, a, a playlist on there as well and um, i have to say that some of the the stuff that you've been putting out the stuff that you've just put out and last year as well blinding ah oh, and just speaking to you just now um i am hearing these influences as well i heard a bit of depeche mode in there a bit of later depeche mode,
2: you mentioned depeche mode did you? Didn't get- no
0: but it was it was it popped into my head when we were talking about the the gothy phase but yeah there was a bit of there's a bit of um depeche mode a little bit of underworld in there as well um yeah it's, it's great. So we're going to put some stuff to, to uh, James's latest stuff as James Atkin and also um, EMF Belters. Um, but we like our guests to suggest a favourite live album or a live track, or maybe it's a, a, a video of a band or artist playing live on, on YouTube or, or whatever. So just wondering what you would what would be your go-to live track or album?
2: Um, I probably it was a big album that I really loved when I was younger, and it's kind of a bit of a dirty word now. But I loved uh, "Under Blood Red Sky" by U two. I thought that was an amazing live album. That was my, when they're the, at the what is it called Red Rocks, wasn't it? I Red think Rocks. Yeah, that's a great album. That is. Okay,
1: James, I think me, you and I were made for each other <laughs> because uh, again, I, I've I've said that the whole U two dirty word. Yeah. That, that's what happens when, like, with life when someone lives for 40, 50 years. I will always stand by you two being 50, one of good. the most incredible bands that yeah. ever lived. Yeah, people go on journeys and become this and that, but you are, you, you are and it is predictable to say the early stuff, but I think Acton Baby is maybe yeah. the best. But that is, I'm so glad. I've got Under Blood Red Sky on vinyl. Still got it on vinyl. Yeah, it's brilliant. It? It for my sister. I think she listens to this. I haven't got it, Helen. I have not
0: got <laughs> yes, it. No, no. We'll bleep great... that out as well.
2: We'll bleep it out as well.
1: Oh, I'm so chuffed you chose that because that is really nostalgic for me as well. It's a great album, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I might go and put it back on now, actually. It's just popped into my head. I probably haven't heard it for quite a few years. but uh... It's a good show. Good show. Yeah.
1: I had the video as well. Mm. Watching that. there were, There was something about them, wasn't there? There was something about them. Oh man, James, this has been so enjoyable. I've it's loved it, hasn't
0: it? Yeah, thank you so much. And like I say, your new stuff is really
2: cracking, really lovely. Thanks, Chris. Um, well, I shall see you guys, if not before, on the 20th of November.
1: Listeners will be there, so get yourself there. It is going to be great. James, <laughs> star, thank you, thank you so much. And love to your wife thank you for me keep keep on at you with all the new stuff i okay. like that yeah. sounds like she's keeping you on track exactly exactly no, she <laughs> me, which is good. keep those new artists coming and um i'll see you friday night at yours get the pa ready <laughs>
2: <laughs> cheers right. mate thanks guys thanks chris thanks alex see you later bye <laughs>
1: And there we go, James Atkin from EMF. Oh, mophos! That was lovely. And that was <laughs> lovely. Honestly, you, you can see now what I meant in the intro uh, beforehand when I said he's so charming. What a what a genuinely beautiful human being.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and we have to say that the gig that um, he was mentioning before.
1: It's
0: gonna
1: be in, we still can't tell you. No, we can't, we can't. TBC to be confirmed, TBA to be announced. TB. TBGT to to be gone to. To be gone to, exactly. Uh, TB, BTF to be bought tickets for. (laughs) And and, and, and all that (laughs) is gonna be in a, a small venue up north. Really and, small. And genuinely, I think he's going to blow the roof off. It's going to be a hell of a night, and Chris and I will absolutely be there. So keep a close look. Yeah. We're going to go, and we're going to represent. Oh, yeah, who are we representing? Ourselves. The Celtic Nations. The Celtic Nations, yeah. And so go and find James on social media, um, and you can you can find all his merch, you can find all his, uh, his solo stuff is music. Oh there's new merch as well. Oh, yeah they're new get yeah. your hands on some new merch. New merch. Um some of the
0: t shirts the the colours are great.
1: Um, it's, uh... So it's not
0: it's not just your white or your black. It's um, orange and green and I'm just oh. naming
1: colours now. You're naming colours, I like <laughs> yeah. it. I like it. I mean you have sold that merch. All
0: you all have sold I that
1: merch. I know loads of colours. There's one thing I've always said about you Chris and that's should stick to photography and not sales. <laughs> yeah.
0: Which one's Chris again? Yeah. I, the, one, the one who
1: knows all the colours. Yeah, oh, that's Chris. He's yeah. my favourite. But anyway, go and search James on social media. Um he's a beautiful man and get some merch music and uh, gig news very soon. And his new stuff as well. Um, have a listen to his new stuff. Yeah um, no it's really just good.
0: EMF stuff. It's really cracking. That's true, so
1: thank you James And we look forward to seeing you at uh, the aforementioned gig Now, we we are a tad giggly and giddy And it might be noisy as well because we're in a car We've just come out of the, the Shed 7 gig at the Peace Hall in Halifax And it was an absolute belter, wasn't it? It was a cracker, really good. Considering it was, you know, it was our first gig together. Out the after the past, you know, year and a half, I think that wasn't a bad gig to get to. Hey, you know what I mean? No, absolutely. We only fell out a couple of times. Oh yeah, it's true. And and you only fell over four times. Well, you fell over five times, and you weren't even drinking. (laughs) Yeah, that's the worry. (laughs) We, I There were some dad dancing. Uh, moves on display and and I'm proud of it I'm not even embarrassed and they were all yours they were all mine very possibly do you know what it's just it's just so good to be back at live music Um, and the the support band skylights wedding present uh, pigeon detectives just everyone just had a great time and and it's just so nice to to be back out and that was so good that maybe all gigs should finish forever. And that is it. The end. <laughs> That's the last gig ever. That is the last gig ever. Ever. I'd, I've just got to give a shout out to uh, Rick and manager for sorting this evening. And it was great to see Chrissy Boy here, getting his long lens out. Oi! Oi, oi,
0: um, no, I got some good shots actually. Um, far be it from me to say I got some good shots, but but I, you just did. I, I just did. Yeah, you just I did. got some good shots. Um, yeah, uh, Pigeon Detectives as well. The the,
1: the front man. Um, He's a hell of a performer, isn't he? Yeah, He, he enjoyed himself tonight, didn't there's
0: he? A, the, yeah, there's a bit of um, Robert Plant in that. And,
1: um, Are you yeah. just thinking of people with curly hair?
0: No, just well. Yeah, did
1: he is. have a Did he have a touch of the Mark Bolands about him as well? He had a touch of the Barbara Dixons about <laughs> him. What about the Brian Mays? Yep. Yeah. And the Anita Dobsons? <laughs> They're the he, same. He's cool. Oh, that's the same person. He's He's got a touch of the Dobsons. <laughs> Oh. And by the smell of it, I think you've got yeah. touch of the Dobsons as well. Oh, somebody find a cushion for him. He's got a touch of the Dobsons. <laughs> so, yeah, an amazing gig. And Shed Seven, they are, they are always so good. They are always so good. And I think it's why they're able to go on such big tours, play to so many people, because their set list from the off is just incredible. Yeah, In- including their new. St- uh, as actually, Rick said tonight, we need to stop calling it the new album because it was twenty seventeen. Yeah, <laughs> but it's four years ago. Yeah. yeah, but it is a brilliant album, and yeah. even playing some of those new tracks, it's the set. Well, actually, I think that album is possibly their best. Yeah, genuinely. Um, a so, Duke coming on stage, bringing his son on, Duke Duke from Serotones. Uh, and uh, they're playing at Night and Day Cafe in November in Manchester, and other dates around the country. So look out for them. But what that must be lovely to be able to bring your son on and, yeah. and join you for a song. Absolutely. Awesome, and Chris will. Chris got lovely photos of that. And maybe when Chris has edited a, a, a few shots from the gig today, we'll pop them on our socials. So. So yeah we are very excited to be out about in a gig and fingers crossed we're going to be at some more live gigs very very soon and we will keep you updated tell us about your live gigs back your first live gigs back out there send us pictures send us videos tell us about who you're seeing where you're going which venues you know the podcast now you know what we want to hear so tell us all and you can find us as always on Twitter Facebook Instagram Gig Stories Pod and of course you can email us now here is the big test listener he's had a few pints can he remember the email address Christopher
0: info, info at gigstoriespodcast.com uh, he is Absolutely on it. Absolutely, and the other thing I was going to say was um, if you have any suggestions of people that we should seek out to interview as guests, then that would be more than welcome.
1: Because um, we're, we're kind of winging it, really, aren't we? we? We are just contacting anyone and everyone we can. You know, yep. people, uh, this isn't just, I think people think that we're just contacting people we know well we certainly don't know all our guests we're very lucky that um, we have so many and um, we're just contacting them and, and hoping that they uh, have time in their no doubt busy schedules so let us know who you'd like us to get in touch with and if you know people that you think would be great on the podcast um, let us know too and we'll, we'll, we'll try our best to get them on we should get Barbara Dixon on and Anita Dobson yeah Hey Colour. and Brian May and Brian, uh, can you imagine that? If we had Anita Dobson and Brian May, that would be amazing. Anyone can fall in love. Oh, God. we should Thank get Nick, Nick Berry on as well. Nick Berry? Yeah. Oh, I wish I could sing his hit single, but I can't. Every loser wins. Every loser wins. Oh, God, there's enough. Do We need to pull the plug,
0: man. We need to pull the plug. Do-do- Alex! Bye, see you soon. See you later. Bye. Bye.
1: Every loser wins.